I'm going to read a couple of verses out of the book of Matthew chapter 3. Matthew 3, and I'm going to share for just a moment on this thought, thriving in transitional moments. Thriving in transitional moments. Matthew 3, beginning with verse 16. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. Behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Let me read chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Again, I want to share on thriving in transitional moments. I believe a lot of folks today in God's kingdom are where I'm about to preach today. Understand today our successes, our failures in this life will be determined by how we handle and how we react to these transitional moments. And when I'm talking about transitional moments, I'm talking about times when we go from one phase to another, one place or location to another, one position to another. You might call it a shift. You might call it a divine move of God or interruption from the Lord where He requires us to, remove, to move from one state of being to another. And it's in those moments when we find out who we really are and what we're really made of. Transitional moments will reveal true character today. True character. They'll reveal how strong or how weak a person is. I have seen strong people that I admired and respected and looked up to, yet when they hit a transitional moment in life, they were crushed. And they seemed to fall apart. I've seen strong organizations who are flourishing, charging forward, advancing and doing well. When they hit a transitional moment in, in, in its life, they fell apart. I've seen businesses fall apart when transition comes. I've seen marriages fall apart. I've seen churches and ministries crumble when transition hits and take place. And understand today, transitions are hard to deal with, but especially when they come all of a sudden out of nowhere. And that's when you find out who you really are, how strong you are. That's when you find you're moving from the water to the wilderness. In the Scripture that I read, water represents life. Water represents an agent or a tool that cleanses us, that refreshes us, that washes us. But the wilderness is the complete opposite of the water. What is the wilderness? What does it represent? The wilderness represents a drought. Wilderness represents dryness, loneliness, death. The wilderness represents temptation. It represents doubt. The water and wilderness are completely two different places but God at times in our lives will shift in such a way that we find ourselves moving from one place to another from one extreme to another and those moments are called transitions 
Anybody ever been involved in a transition? I believe every one of us have. That means you've moved from this place to that, whether it's geographical, whether it's with your job, whether it's whatever it may be. It could happen. A transition, a moment can happen in one phone call. It can happen because of a visit. It can happen when a door opens. It can happen with one text or an email. You can go from a high place to a low place. You can go from a low place to a high place. You can go from a mountain to a valley. We can go from an abundance of rain and plenty to a drought. We can go surrounded by friends and family who love us and the next day we're all alone wondering where everybody went. Does anybody know what I'm preaching about? Has anybody ever been in a transitional moment? Hallelujah. From moving forward to backing up. From a place of comfort to a place of stress and anxiety due to a transition in your life. In other words, we can go from the water to the wilderness. And that's exactly what happened in the scripture that I read to you just a moment ago. We find John the Baptist is baptizing Jesus where? Somebody say in the water. This was no great, no doubt it was a great moment for John the Baptist and Jesus. Think about it. John the Baptist had been preaching about the Messiah is coming. He had been sent to prepare the way for the Lord. He had been declaring repent for the kingdom of God is at hand and now his ministry is being confirmed in front of the crowd that day. He said you're going to recognize the Messiah when you see the Spirit of God coming to rest upon him and now all of a sudden Jesus comes up out of the water and the Bible says the spirit of God comes down upon him in the form of the dove and John the Baptist is able to stand there that day and say see I told you he was coming I told you it was going to happen did you see that this is what I've been telling you was going to take place this is what I've been preaching was going to happen so it was a high place and moment for John the Baptist it was a high moment in his ministry it was also a high moment for Jesus he is at just the very beginning stage of his public ministry up until this moment nobody's been healed no blinded eyes have been opened the water has not been turned to wine he hasn't preached his first sermon yet hasn't laid hands on the sick yet but right now he has just received the highest affirmation that a man could ever see receive because the Bible says as he came up out of the water the spirit of God descended down upon him the heavens opened up and a voice from heaven said this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased what a great moment for Jesus what a high moment for Jesus to hear the father say I am pleased with my son that ought to be our highest desire today that that we hear God say I'm pleased with you But all of a sudden, after that high moment, he comes up out of the water, a dove descends on him, he hears his father's affirmation, he hears the voice, but all of a sudden, in the middle of a high and wonderful moment, a transition takes place, and the Bible says in verse one of chapter four, then Jesus was led by the Spirit, where? Into the 
wilderness. He was in the water, but now he's headed to the wilderness. Water is a place of refreshing. It's a good place. Where's the wilderness? It's a lonely, isolated place. It's a dry, barren place. It's a lonely place. He's going from there to there. A transition was about to happen. And it's a journey today that all of us will have to take if we're not already taking it. But the question today is, how are you going to thrive when God takes you from the water into the wilderness? Because let me say, not only did Jesus make it and survive during his time in the wilderness, he thrived there. How many of you want to thrive in your wilderness moments? And I do. I don't want to just succumb to death and weariness and give up and throw in the towel. I want to thrive. And I believe there are many people in the kingdom of God who are in the wilderness today. If you're watching today, somebody's in the wilderness. You are at a high moment here, over here at some point. You were in the water. You were rejoicing. Things were going well. But you woke up the next morning and you found yourself in the wilderness. Out of nowhere, an attack come. Out of nowhere, a transition took place and you're scratching your head. How did I get from here to there? I've come today, I want to give you two or three things today if you find yourself in the wilderness, how that you can thrive while you're in the wilderness. And number one, the first thing we see that Jesus did, how many know that there's no better person to go to, no better word to go to, to find encouragement and help and instruction on what to do when you don't know what to do, when you find yourself in a tough place, that's when you go here. So that's what we're going to do. And I'm going to give you three quick things. The reason Jesus was able to thrive in the wilderness is because he was anointed. Somebody say anointed. He was anointed. He operated in the anointing. He walked in the anointing. The word anoint is an Old Testament word that means to rub or to smear oil on a person or a thing. Understand, when something was anointed in the Old Testament, it meant two things. Number one, when they anointed somebody, it set that person apart. It set them as holy. In other words, when someone was anointed, they could not continue to do certain things. They could not continue to go to certain places. Uh, they could not be do, do this or just do that if they wanted to walk in the anointing, if they wanted to be up under the anointing, if they want to be used by the anointing. Now, I know this may sound like old-fashioned preaching because nowadays many will preach and teach and tell you you can be saved and just do any old thing, live any old way you want to. But I've come to tell you, if you want to be anointed, if you want to walk in the anointing, if you want to do great things for God, you cannot just go to any old place. You cannot just watch any old thing. You cannot just talk any old way. Come on, somebody. But let me tell you something. I believe if we're anointed vessels of God, we've still got to be set apart, separate. In other words, there are certain things I cannot do. There are certain things I cannot say. There are certain places I cannot go. There are certain things I cannot look at. There are certain, oh, come on, somebody. This may sound old, but it is still relevant. It is still true today. Does anybody still want to be anointed? Does anybody still know the anointing is what makes a difference? 
The reason Jesus was able to flourish and thrive in the wilderness is because he was anointed and he remained in that anointing. He walked in that anointing. Not only does it being anointed mean you're set apart, it also means you've been given authority by God. He's anointed you. In other words, when a person has been anointed to do something, they have been authorized to function or to operate in that place. Amen? So if you're anointed to sing, you've been given authority to sing. If you've been anointed to pastor, you've been anointed to pastor. If you've been anointed to preach, you've been anointed to preach. If you've been anointed to usher and to greet, you've been anointed to do those things. If you've been anointed as an intercessor to pray, you've been anointed. The anointing is our license to function in that place. Now, I've been in church a long time. I, want, I, I scratched this out of my notes, but I can still see it, so I, I'm going to preach it anyway. I wasn't going here, but hear me today. Somebody may need this. There's people in the body of Christ that try to function out of their lane. They've not been anointed to do this or to do that, yet they still try to tell this person how to do it. Come on, stay in your lane, baby. What you've been anointed to do, that's what you do. What they've been anointed to do, that's what they've been called to do. Stay in your lane. Function in the unction that God has anointed you for. Oh, if you've been anointed to preach, preach. If you've been anointed to sing, sing. Come on, somebody. When God gives you an anointing and a license, he'll cause you to function in that place where you thought you never could. You don't have to have all the degrees, and I'm not against them, but you don't have to have all the education in the world to function in that calling if God has anointed you to do that. You don't have to have the PhD and the DDD and the GED, but when God anoints you, he'll use you to do some awesome things. I've come to tell you, the anointing of God on the flesh is, the, is the anointing on the flesh causing you to do things that man cannot do. The anointing is the supernatural power to do the business of God. When there's an anointing upon your life, it'll cause you to do some things you thought you never could do. It'll cause you to preach when you don't even feel like preaching. You know how many times, can I admit a weakness here? And how many times I walk up these steps and I sometimes I don't, I'm going to be transparent. I don't feel like preaching today. The enemy's attacked and weighed and fought and all he's done. But you know what? There's something about when I submit and I step on behind this sacred desk and I open up the word of, there's something that comes on me. It's not me. It's the anointing. And I tell my wife all the time, I feel the best I feel when I'm right here in this spot preaching the word of God and it's because of the anointing, praise God. It'll cause you to do things you don't feel like doing. It'll cause you to dance even when there's no music. It'll cause you to sing in the midnight hour when all hell is breaking loose. Come on, somebody. So all you need to realize, say, I'm anointed to walk in authority. I'm anointed to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. I'm anointed to cast out demons in the name of Jesus. I've been anointed to tread on serpents today. I've been anointed by the power of the Holy Ghost. I wish somebody would praise God for the anointing today. So 
some of you would have already quit if the anointing hadn't got a hold of you. Somebody had already had a nervous breakdown if the anointing hadn't have been on you. But thank God for his anointing today. The anointing will keep you even when you don't want to be kept. The anointing will stand by you even when everybody walks off and leaves you. And there's no one who has lived or ever will live that was anointed like Jesus. We got some that strut around and walk around that think they're more anointed than Jesus. But let me burst their bubble. Ain't nobody as anointed as Jesus. Come on. Luke chapter 4, he came off the mountain after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, walked into the temple, said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Acts 10 and 38 God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with his Holy Ghost and power. He went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil. God was with him. Nobody was anointed like Jesus. In this scripture, we see the visible symbol of the Holy Ghost. It comes in the form of a dove as it descends down upon him. But then that same sweet Wonderful, powerful, comforting, Holy Ghost does something strange. He takes Jesus, the most anointed one, from this wonderful moment and takes him into a wilderness. He goes from the water where heaven opened and into the wilderness. You know something? We can always accept it. We can always embrace it when the Holy Ghost leads us to a good place, can't we? We'll testify about that. God led me to a good place. God did something good in my life. Praise God. i got to tell everybody, but if, if, if the Holy Spirit leads you to a tough place, come on. What about when the Holy Ghost leads you to places you don't like? Why don't we testify about those? Oh, no, no, we're going to blame the devil and blame everybody else for it. See, you knew it was the Holy Ghost that led you, but when you got to that place, instead of blessings, it seemed like all hell broke loose. I know the preacher, I know the preacher said when the Holy Ghost leads you, everything's going to be great. All the bills will be paid. Everybody's going to like you. Nobody's going to say anything bad. Everything's going to be wonderful. Everything's going to come easy. Everything's going to fall into place. Well, I've got some bad news for you today. Sometimes the Holy Ghost will lead you into a dark place. Sometimes the Holy Ghost will lead you into a wilderness place and the devil will try to tell you because you're in a tough experience that the Holy Ghost didn't lead you there but I've come to tell somebody thinking that the devil is a lie. There are times when God will lead you to such a place. In the Jewish times, the wilderness was viewed as a place of danger, a place of gloom, an abode, or a place of demons. And yet, the Holy Ghost 
of God led Jesus into the place of demons, into the place of doom and gloom. Somebody here this morning, you knew it was the Holy Ghost that led you where you're at and you're going through hell and high water and you're ready to pack up your bags and leave because you feel like it was really, if it was really God, you wouldn't be going through this. I don't know who you are. I don't know who I've been sent to preach to, but I've come to tell you, hold on, hang in there because if God has led you into the wilderness, you're gonna learn something more about who he really is. I've come to tell you, God has a way of teaching you that in the middle of the storm, he is still the shelter in the storm. In the valley, he is still the lily in the valley. In lack, he is still El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. It was during times when I was lonely that I found out he was my friend. It was a time when my life seemed to be all at war that I found out he is my God. He's Lord, he's strong, he's mighty in battle. It's been in times when I laid my head down at night and didn't understand with tears streaming down my face. I found out more about him that weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. God has a way of leading you into transitional moments to why one purpose to show you more about who he is. And the quicker you learn it, the quicker you can move on. Amen. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and help me preach. Tell him, neighbor, God is trying to teach you something. He's trying to show you something right now. Hallelujah. If you want to thrive in a wilderness, you've got to stay in the, under the anointing. You've got to walk in the anointing. If you want to thrive in the wilderness... Watch this, very simple. You've got to remember what God says about you and who He says you are. Amen? After the Spirit of the Lord came on Jesus in the form of a dove, and lo, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus at this point was 30 years old, had not preached a sermon, had not healed had not cast out devils for 30 years. He was basically anonymous in the backyard, unnoticed 30 years every morning. He probably got up wondering, imagining with all the anointing he had, he knew his purpose. He knew he had power. But I can imagine he got up one morning and said, Father, is today the day? Is today the day that I'm going to be launched from ministry? Is it my time for 30 years? Don't you know? he probably wondered but yet his father he had not preached yet he had not done miracles yet but on this day at the river Jordan when the dove descended the father still looked on him and said this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased and that that became the theme of his life he lived to please his father in church if we're going to be like Jesus we have got to please the Lord I don't know I just need to declare today 
today to the devil and whoever today. I'm not here to make everybody happy. I'm not here to make everyone like me. I'm here to do the will of my Father. I'm here to please him, not man, not me. Come on, I've got to stand before the Lord one day and answer to what I have done. God has called you and I to live a life that is pleasing to him. I've come a long way in in getting a hold of this and realizing and dealing with this. And if somewhere along my life's journey, if somebody gets happy with what I do and they're fine, that's fine. But if not, I'm still okay with that today because I have figured out my purpose. I am here on planet Earth not to please Jeff, not to please this. I'm here to please God. And that should be the same thing you have today desire to please him that was Jesus's theme when change and transition would come and people were against him he had to remember what his father had spoken over him this is my beloved son in whom I I am well pleased for someone who is going through transition you got to remember what your heavenly Father has spoken over you today. There will always be other kinds of voices speaking. Voices from the outside. Voices from within. Voice of the devil. There will be negative voices. Doubters and haters. There will be confusing voices and there will be lies. You want to know how you're going to thrive in those moments? You have to remember what your father spoke over you. You got to remember somebody. And if your daddy told you that you're going to make it, you hold on to what he said about you and say, I'm going to make it. If your daddy told you you were going to be blessed, you hold on to what your daddy said and say, I am blessed, I am blessed. Every moment that I live, I am blessed. When I wake up in the morning, when I go to bed, I am blessed, I am blessed. Before you give up, remember what he told you. Before you quit, remember what he spoke over you. And if you've forgotten what he spoke over you, get out his word and read what he says about you. Come on. If he said it, he's going to bring it to pass. If anyone had to remember what his father said about him, it was certainly Jesus because all kind of people began to talk about him and speak over him. They called him a wine bibber. They called him a glutton. They called him Beelzebub. They called him a devil. They called him a liar. They called him a sinner. They called him a blasphemer. One minute they were ready to crown him. The next they were ready to stone him. One minute they were shouting Hosanna to him and the next they were shouting crucify him. You want to know how he made it from the water to the wilderness? He kept on reminding himself whether he heard it from anybody else or not. I'm anointed. I'm chosen. I belong to my daddy. My daddy said I can do this thing and he kept his head up and he said I'm not going to throw in the towel. Praise God. Somebody stop listening to the voices in your head or those around you. You're not who they say you are. You're who God says you are. If he says you're an overcomer, you're an overcomer. 
If you're blessed, you're blessed. You're healed, you're healed. If you're more than a conqueror, you're more than a conqueror. You are who God says you are and what He says you are. And that's how Jesus thrived in His wilderness. He was anointed. He knew whose He was. He knew what had been spoken over Him. The third thing that He did to thrive in this transitional place was He spoke the Word of God. How many believes the Word still works today? When the devil tempted Jesus, Jesus responded with, It is written, it is written, it is written. And the devil left him for a season. He didn't, he didn't totally leave him alone forever, but he left him for that season. And he knows old devil's persistent. Jesus was in the wilderness, and he used the word of God against the devil, and Jesus thrived in the wilderness. He was victorious. He accomplished what he was supposed to do. How many of you want to run the devil off today? Use the word of God. Tell that devil by his stripes I'm healed. Tell the devil my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Tell that devil I've been young and now old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. Remind the devil, if my God, my Father be for me, who can be against me? You've got to let the devil know what the Word of God says. The Word still works. Jesus didn't just limp through His wilderness. He didn't just barely make it through His wilderness. He thrived. He flourished. How did he do that? Because of the anointing. Because of knowing who his father was and knowing that he was to please him and his father was pleased. He knew what had been spoken over him and he used the word of God. I don't know who you are today, but maybe you come into this place you say, Pastor, I'm in a wilderness. I don't know what to do. I've tried to do everything that I can. Remember, you're anointed for this. Remember, you're His child today. And use the Word against the enemy. Hear me today, so you can't afford to die in the wilderness. You have an appointment with destiny. You have a purpose for your life. The Holy Ghost may have very well led you into this wilderness, and it's no fun. I've been there. I don't like them. But the Holy Ghost may have very well led you into the wilderness you're in right now, not to punish you, not because He doesn't love you, but simply because He does love you. He does, he has, he's got a plan for you. And He's using it as a moment to teach you and to show you. For you to discover something more about who He is and what He can do.